Second Timothy chapter two, verse number seven. If you're there, say amen. The Apostle Paul told his son in the gospel, he said, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. He said, remember, remember, Timothy, that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. In other words, what I've been preaching is the absolute truth that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. But he's writing this from a terrible place for him. He said, wherein now I suffer, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. Somebody said that he was evil and put him in prison for preaching this gospel message. He said, I am, I am in bonds right now. I am bound up in chains. I'm writing to you from a prison house. This is where my life and my path has taken me. I am bound up in this prison house. He said, but the word of God is not bound. If you look at the word bound in the Greek language, it says that it is not chained. He said, the word of God is not chained up. I may be locked up in this room. I may be chained up in this room. But the word of God has the ability to leave this room right here and go wherever you are, Timothy. The word of God can travel wherever you are. <clears throat> Psalms, the 24th chapter, verse number 1. Psalms 24, and verse number 1. The earth is the Lord. Somebody say the earth. And not just the earth, but the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. The psalmist paints the picture that there's nowhere, nothing that does not belong to the Lord. His arm is not short that he can't reach wherever you are. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. The apostle said the word of God is not bound. The psalmist said the whole earth belongs to him. There's nothing outside of his reach. So I want to preach to you today for the next few moments, if I could, for the sake of your remembrance from this subject. His word is not bound. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm going to do my best today to get you out of here before your pot roast burns in the, in the uh, instant pot today. I want you to be sure that you have a good lunch. But I have a word for you in the house today. This is a scary place. You know, we look at the Apostle Paul. I've seen in my lifetime many folks that are starting their ministry and they say, oh, if I could only have the power of the great Apostle Paul. If only I could speak the way that he spoke and have the authority that he had. <clears throat> and I'm not real sure that we know what we're asking for. Because to whom much is given, much is required. The, the Apostle Paul, that the, the epistles that he wrote, which we refer to in biblical studies as Pauline epistles, as you start breaking down Pauline epistles, some of the most powerful words that he ever penned, they were not written um, sitting inside of a synagogue that was beautifully decorated and all was well in his life and it was all good in the hood. He was actually writing from a prison, more than likely under the streets uh, of Rome somewhere, a cold, dark, damp prison where comfort was not 
uh, of value at all. It was just a place where he had to exist. And the only thing that he had done wrong was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we look at the power of the first century revival that took place after the book of Acts, we find out that it was not the Jewish people who were in control of the world. It was the Roman Empire, one of the most powerful empires that history has ever recorded. But in the midst of the most powerful and godless society that the world had ever recorded, God sent revival through his people. I know that some look at the world in which we live right now and they say, man, there's just no way that the church can stand the test that we're in right now. If so-and-so doesn't get moved in this office and -and so-and-so doesn't get moved into that office and if this doesn't happen in Washington, D.C., we can't have this. And if this governor doesn't do this, and man, we can tear it all apart and we know which governor's supposed to do this and what governor's supposed to do that. And oh my, what about the CDC? You know, the CDC, if they don't do this, we can't have revival. I'm just going to tell you today. I'm just going to shoot straight to you right now. It doesn't matter what the CDC says. It doesn't matter what Washington, D.C. says. It doesn't matter what Rome says. It doesn't matter what China says. We're going to have revival. I never have been able to find in my spirit a way to rest in the fact that the governments of this world are going to be what gives us the head nod to have revival. Can I tell you, whether it's a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, whoever it is in Washington, D.C., it doesn't change what happened in the book of Acts. And it doesn't change what's going to happen in this church and in this city. We're going to have revival. Well, but pastor, what if we get to the place that they start putting men of God in prison. Well, then if, if we didn't have anything to preach from what was put in prison, we'd be in trouble because we couldn't preach any of the Pauline epistles. The, the, the problem that we have is that we are so isolated from trouble in this world because we are spoiled, rotten as Americans. If you don't believe me, you take a pandemic and put on top of that a bunch of lazy people. And what we have turned into is one of the most lazy things in the world and took a good excuse to justify it. Why would I get up and go to work when I could sit at home and draw a check? And that has moved over into our walk with God. It's like, I just want to sit back on a pew and get what's coming to me. I want the blessings of God. I want the favor of God. I just want to have powerful revival. But when you pick up the book and you start reading, you realize that the greatest revivals that have ever been birthed were birthed in the face of adversity. It was irrelevant what they were going through. What mattered is who they served. And so I want to remind you that when the words were penned and written, they hold a little bit more water when you realize that if God be for us, who can be against us? I want to tell you that God is not an American citizen. God is not a citizen of the United States of America. And I want to tell you that no matter what that government says, that today in communist China, there is apostolic revival that is taking place every day. People are being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the country of Egypt right now, they've been locked down in the Middle East because of the corona. Woo! 
And God knows we can't have revival in the midst of Corona. And here's what you need to know. I have a dear friend that just recently preached a conference here. If you were here this weekend, it was pretty recent. Big, tall, lanky guy. They're transcribing what I'm saying. He just went to Egypt a couple weeks ago with another dear friend of ours that's been connected in missions to this church. They went in to Egypt to look at the pyramids <laughs> and was connected with a man that's a driver that took them around and showed them the pyramids and showed them all the beauty of Cairo. And when the sun went down, they went home with the driver who happens to be the pastor of a church that is not connected and given permission by the Egyptian government to have a church. But he got hungry for truth. And so he needed some sightseers to come to Egypt and come to their house and talk about the beauty of Cairo. And I want to tell you that the driver has been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of his sin. He and his family are getting ready to go visit with one of our mission families in that region. And they're going to their church and going to spend time there. And they're going to be trained on how to build an apostolic church. Hey, here's what I want to tell you this morning. The word of God is not bound. It can go anywhere at any time. Can I tell you folks today that in the middle of Egypt, God is raising an apostolic church. Lord have mercy. I can tell you today that whatever the enemy has tried to do, he has never been able to stop the word of God. The scriptures tell us in the book of John, now this is going to be a little bit of lengthy reading because... God forbid that we read the Bible while we're in church. That would be an atrocity. But in the book of John, the fourth chapter, we realize that there is nowhere that the word of God cannot find us. John chapter 4 and verse 46. The scripture tells us that when Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, which is where he made the water into wine, there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Notice, Jesus is now in Cana. But the child is sick in Capernaum. They're not in the same town at all. There's quite a distance between where he is and where the need is. Has anybody in here ever felt like the Lord was a long ways away from you? Have you ever felt like if I called on him right now, he couldn't find me? So he came where he had done a miracle before, and the man came to him. He said, I've got a child that is sick, but he's not here. And when he heard that Jesus came into Judea, came out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he besought that he would come down. He wanted him to come down to Capernaum and to heal his son because he was at the point of death. Somebody say it's almost too late. 
Then said Jesus, except you see signs and wonders, you would not believe. And the nobleman said to him, sir, please come. Come down to me or my child is going to die. Then Jesus said to him, go thy way. Thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken, and he went his way. The scripture said that the man went home, and his servants came running out to him and said, Your son liveth. In verse 52, then inquired he of them, he said, What hour did my son start feeling better? And when they started looking at their clock, they said, You know what? I believe we've got something going on right here because in verse 53, it said that the father knew it was in the very same hour at the very same moment that Jesus spoke the word that his boy got better. Listen, Jesus didn't walk in the house. Jesus didn't go to Capernaum. Jesus sent the word and the word is not bound. And at the moment that he spoke the word... I've come to tell somebody today that feels like your answer is a long ways away. The word is not bound. The word is not chained. At one spoken word, he can do the work. He can do it. Somebody shout, yes, he can. Now in your Bibles, in the book of Luke, the seventh chapter, in the first verse, we come to an interesting place here now. When he had ended all of his sayings, the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. Think about this now. This is where he had sent the word. Now he's in the place. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. So in Capernaum, we had a sick child. And now we have a Roman soldier who has a sick servant. Now this centurion, he starts this conversation with Jesus and he said, look, I understand authority. He said, you believe me when I tell you I understand authority. He said, I'm not only a man with authority, I am a man that is under authority. He said, I completely get the authority. But the centurion said to him in verse number 7, When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him. And he said, Lord, don't trouble yourself. He said, because I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Verse 7 of Luke 7. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. Watch this. A Roman centurion who was not a follower of Jesus. He was not a disciple of Jesus. He said, but if you will just say the word. I don't even know truth. I'm not a follower of who you are, but this is what I've seen. I've seen enough to know that you don't even have to walk into my house. You don't even have to come in and lay hands on my servant. He said, I'm smart enough to know. Now, some scholars have said that this centurion was talking down to Jesus and saying, I know authority and you don't have any. If you read the context of this, you understand it's quite the contrary. This centurion was saying, 
if anybody knows authority, I know authority. And this is what I know about you. You are powerful enough that you don't even have to walk into the room. Whenever you speak the word, your word in a room is more powerful than the sickness that dwells in the room. He said, I believe that if you'll just speak healing from here, that when the healing word leaves your mouth and it enters into the room where my servant is sick, that when the word walks in, the sickness has to walk out. (laughs) So I want to tell you, sometimes in our culture, we have this little issue that if pastor don't pray it, it hadn't been prayed. We're funny. We see people that are sick. And we say, hey, you need to come to church with me sometime. Let pastor pray for you. C- come to church with us on Sunday. Let us pray for you. I want to tell you what God is training us to do and become. He is training us to get outside the four walls of this church. God is training us to get beyond worried about what can only happen in here. Now, I just want to tell you, if you're here today, I believe anything can happen. I'm still old-fashioned. I believe if you walked in here today sick with cancer, whatever it is, I believe you can leave here healed. But I don't believe that the word is only bound to this building. The word is not chained to this pulpit. The word is not chained to this altar today. I'm telling you what I believe right now is that if you've got an unsaved husband that's not in this room with you right now, you can send a word. (laughs) I believe if you've got sick family members right now, Would it be wonderful if they came and we laid hands on them? Sure it would. But I'm telling you what I've seen God do. I've seen God leave this room right here with the word. When the saints of God prayed the prayer of faith and walk into a hospital room somewhere and reach down and touch that sick servant and them get up because the word of God is not bound. I've seen God do it. And I know that he can. I've seen him do it, and I know that he can. I think sometimes the pressure is we think we're the ones on trial when we pray the prayer of faith. Now, for those of you that love me and hold me in high esteem, I'm probably going to bust the bubble. I just want to tell you it's never been my power of prayer that changed anything. Sometimes I wish I could. I'm not so sure that if I had my will and way that people would still want me to be their pastor all the time. (laughs) What in the world is going on? This is not what I wanted. Pastor must be praying. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. But understand me when I tell you, I, I, I I wish it was because of me. Maybe that sounds a little proud. I, I wish I could just walk in and say, I'm here. You're healed. But then I'd be the one that gets the glory. And it's never been about what happens in me. I'm thankful God has chosen me and put me as a watchman on the wall. But I'm telling you, any good thing that happens in this church, it's not because of me. It's not because I'm powerful. 
It's not because I'm anybody. It's because I serve a God whose word is not bound. And when we release the word of faith in this pulpit, the word of faith can go anywhere and heal at any time. The word can go the distance. But it's not in who prays the prayer. It's not. Well, I just, Pastor, I just, I just don't have the faith to pray the prayer. Folks, listen. I'm just going to be, be brutally honest. It don't really take faith to pray the prayer. It takes faith to believe what you just prayed. Because talk is cheap. I can say to somebody, I believe that God can heal you right now. When I put my hands on you, I believe God's going to heal you. But believe in that? When the person that you're praying for has the same disease that you had asked God to heal before and God chose not to? Come on, somebody. This is the trial of our faith. It's the making of our integrity. When you believe God to heal your family member and God didn't do it. So the next time somebody needs you to pray for what your family member had, you start questioning whether or not God can really do what he said he would do. Woo. I had a man tell me this weekend. I've got to shorten the story because it's a long story. They told me this weekend, he said, my wife, uh, for many, many years, she's been... Um, epileptic says she had terrible seizures seizures so bad that um, she hasn't driven in 12 to 14 years and he said I went to a men's conference in Maryville a couple years ago when we were we were there and he said uh, brother Carpenter got up and, and asked to bring five things before God right now just a priority list before God and he said the first thing out of my mouth was God heal my wife And he said, this man from Australia walks through the crowd. He said, I saw the guy walking. He's an evangelist from Australia. And he said, the man stopped right in front of me. And he turned and looked at me. And he said, brother, would you be willing to pray for my wife right now? And he said, huh? He said, I've walked through this whole building asking the Lord for somebody that had the faith to pray for my wife, to pray for her right now. And he kind of looked at him. He said, well, what's wrong with your wife? He said, my wife has seizures. And he said, I believe that you have the faith to pray for my wife right now. He's been asking God for years to heal his wife of seizures. And now the man standing in front of him has a wife that has seizures. This pastor's wife, her name is Michelle. And he said, a boldness came over me and I looked at that Australian preacher and I said, brother, I'll make you a deal. He said, I'll pray for your wife if you'll pray for my wife. He said, because my wife has seizures and he looks at that Australian brother and he said I'll make a covenant with you right now that whenever I'm praying for my wife I'll pray for her wife he said what's your wife's name he's the brother from Australia he said my wife's name is Michelle he started crying 
He said, well, you're not going to have a hard time remembering my wife's name when you pray for her. Because my wife's name is Michelle. He said, I, I prayed in a, you know, Jesus' name, let it be. He said, I, I was trying to put all this together and I got out in the car. And he said, God, I don't know if you're going to heal my wife or not. I don't know, I don't know what you're going to do, but I, I prayed today and you, you built my faith. You brought this. And the Lord said to him, he said, whether I heal your wife or not. He said, I sent that man to you from the other side of the world to show you that I've heard every prayer you've prayed. You need to know today that the word of God is not bound. It's not about whether or not I get the answer that I'm looking for. It's that I need to know God hears and he understands and he knows where I am. I've come to lift somebody up today that feels like you're in the struggle of your life and God hasn't heard a word you've prayed. His word is not bound. Oh, great God. Why is it, Pastor, that sometimes I feel like when I pray, the Lord just, he doesn't hear what I'm saying. The Lord doesn't, he doesn't, he just doesn't answer me. And I don't, I don't know what to do. Why, why is it? And I think the answer is found in Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the tenth verse, just to be honest with you. Because sometimes we need to realize that when we feel like we're praying and the heavens are brass and the, the windows are closed, it's not because God is not listening it's because there is warfare going on to the answers of your prayer Ephesians 6 and 10 finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood I don't care what old so-and-so said about you. I don't care what they've said about your prayer. So-and-so don't stop the prayer. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Well, but they judge me and they talk bad about it. Don't worry about what they said about you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities. Man, I want to break this down. I want, I want to preach this to where when you get it here today, you know what I'm saying. Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Are you wondering yet why you feel like your prayers aren't being heard? It's because what you're asking God for is a big prayer. It's a big question. And the devil knows what's going to happen to your faith when the prayer is finally answered. And he's sending all that he can send to stop everything he can stop. The invisible world that you cannot see that's above this church today. In the second dimension, there are spirits and powers and principalities that are fighting what you've been praying because when God comes through and God answers that prayer the enemy has finished his work with you you ever feel like when you're praying you're wrestling oh, I don't understand God I feel like I'm saying the right things I feel like Lord I, I'm, I'm even sometimes I even pray in King James Make it more spiritual, God, so it sounds good. Oh, Lord, thou knoweth. Helpeth thou me this day, oh, great God. Man, you've prayed it every way. You know how to pray it. 
But the reason the enemy is fighting so hard in that second dimension while we pray in the first to a God that's seated in the third. And I don't have time to break all that down. But God sits high and looks low. The Bible said the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. So I need to remind you today. He sits in the third dimension, the throne of heaven. Principalities are in the second dimension, spiritual warfare. We're praying in the first dimension here on the earth. So what you need to know is that heaven may be his throne, but the earth is his footstool. If the earth is his footstool, that means even when I'm praying things that are over my head, (laughs) they are still under his feet. You keep on praying and you keep on fighting and you keep on wrestling because the enemy doesn't want your prayers to get through that second dimension. He's doing everything that he can. But you need to know today that the answer is on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. So I'm praying. I got in the book of Daniel chapter 10 this week. I got in the book of Daniel chapter 10 this week. And the Lord got to dealing with me about Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. It's a tough season. God's children again are in captivity. Babylonian captivity. And the world government has not been real friendly to them. We read things like lion's dens. We read things, Bishop, like fiery furnaces. If you don't bow down, you're going to get burned. If you don't quit praying, we're going to put you in there. And I really like how Daniel dealt with the pressure of the government. The king said, if you don't stop praying, we're going to put you in the lion's den. So he goes home and opens up the window and does it three times a day. Why did he do it like that? Why wasn't he scared? Why didn't he go home and close the windows and go in his basement and say, ooh, I'm afraid if I pray, the spooky government may get me. He said, I don't care about that government. Because the government that establishes who I am. My name is not Belteshazzar. You're not going to give me a Babylonian name. My name is Daniel. And I'm going to walk in the favor of the Lord. And no matter what the kings of the earth say, I'm going to open up that window. And I'm going to pray every day. I don't care what the enemy says. We're going to open up the church doors every week. We're going to have a move of God. We're going to have a breakthrough in the middle of Babylonian captivity, in the middle of darkness. Oh, my, my. We can't have revival here. We're in Babylon. We can't have revival here. The third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, Daniel 10, was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed. Oh, Lord Jesus. The time appointed was long. Some wrestling going on for a season. The time appointed. Tell your neighbor the time appointed was long. He understood the thing. He had understanding of the vision. Now we're not going to get off in the deep end here this morning. In those days he said I Daniel was in mourning for three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all. Till three weeks were fulfilled. Twenty-one days. In the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, as I was beside the great river, which is Hiddekel, the Tigris River, he said, 
Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Euphaz. Euphaz was a region known for its rich gold. And he said, this man showed up with some of the finest gold that I had ever seen in my life. He said his body also was like beryl. Well, beryl is just topaz. It's a topaz stone. He said that his body looked like the stone of a topaz. He said it was absolutely stunning. He said, I looked up and his face had the appearance of lightning. And his eyes, his eyes were as lamps or torches of fire. He said, as I looked at his eyes, it was like two big torches. And his arms and his feet and the collar of polished brass and the voice of his words were like the voice of a multitude or the sound of a multitude. He said, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men that were with me did not see the vision because not everybody that's around you is always going to understand what God's showing you. Oh, I wish I could. He said, I alone saw the vision. They didn't see it. He said, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. If I had time, I'd preach this to you. But listen to pastor when I tell you that not everybody is going to be able to withstand the shaking. When the shaking comes, God's going to minister to some and others are going to run and they're going to hide. He said, therefore, I was left alone and I saw the great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness. He said, my vigor was turned in to frailty, into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, I was on a deep sleep on my face, and my face was toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set upon me, set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hand. The literal translation of that, he said, this hand rested on me, and I started shaking on my knees and trembling in my hands. He said, it was all over me. It scared me to death. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright he said for unto thee am I now this is this word you'd pass it up if you weren't paying attention he said but unto you am I now somebody say now, now. he said unto you am I now sent because he is in the season of now when it's time for the word to be sent he's been in this posture for 21 days no breakthrough but this angel said, I am now sent unto you. And when he spoke the word to me, I stood and I trembled. Oh, God. Verse 12, here it is. He said, then he said unto me, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day, from the first day, that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. He said, thy words were heard. And I love this. He said, and I am here because of your words. He said, the reason that I'm here right now is because of what you spoke 21 days ago. But you didn't think God heard you. 21 days ago, you didn't know God could hear you. 21 days ago, you didn't know that I existed. He said, but 21 days ago, God heard what you were saying. And he released me from the throne room of heaven. And he sent me to you. Verse 13. 
He said, but when I came to you, the prince of Persia, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. He said, the principality of Persia withstood me. How long did he withstand him? How long had Daniel been fasting and praying? So you mean God was trying to break through during the whole process? What do you think would have happened if Daniel would have stopped about 18 days in and said, I'm sick of this. Listen to what I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Do not stop. God is wrestling for you right now. There is an answer in the second dimension that is wrestling for you right now. God is trying to wrestle this thing loose for you. And you can't afford to quit now. Daniel wasn't told when he started that the answer was going to come in 21 days. Daniel got down on his face. And he didn't say my seeking is predicated on when the answer comes. He said my seeking is predicated on that I don't care if it comes or not. I'm going to seek until it happens. He said, for 21 days, <laughs> that old principality of Iran wrestled with me. He said, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. What was it, Bishop, that summons Michael to come? He came because of the words. The Lord looks over at Michael who was probably more than likely over Jerusalem at that time because he's the prince of Jerusalem. He said, hey, come here. Look right over there over Iran. You see that? Yeah. Looks like he's putting a pretty good whooping on him. Is he withholding him? He is, Michael. Now look right down there by the river. Oh, yeah. See, Daniel. What about Daniel? What's what's he got to do with it? He said, well, this is what Daniel's praying. That's Daniel's answer, Michael. But Daniel's been in that posture for 21 days. And I know he's weary because I sent the answer to him when he asked. But that old prince of Persia over there has been withholding the angel for 21 days. He said, so here's what I want you to do, Michael. He said, I just want you to slip over there. And I want you to let that prince... I want you to let that prince of Iran know. He's not in charge of this word. (laughs) You just go ahead and let that principality know. He don't control when the word comes through. And when I'm ready for the word to come through, it's going to come through because my word is not bound. And I don't care how strong he is. And I don't care how strong the principality is. When I'm ready for my word to break through, my word is going to come through, Michael. So you just get over there and grab that prince. Because it's time for my word to get to my man. He said, Daniel, I want you to know 21 days ago the Lord heard you. He said... He said, but Michael came, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. Go ahead. He said, but now, somebody say now. Now. Boy, that now is important. He said, but now I'm come to make you understand what's going to befall thy people in the latter days. For the vision is yet for many days. Listen, I've come to encourage somebody here today that's been seeking God. You've been giving God all you had. 
reaching for all you're worth. Is my family ever going to come to God? God, you promised me. I feel like you gave me a word. I feel, Lord, I feel like you spoke to me. God, I feel like you told me someday it's going to happen. And now you're weak and you're weary and you've laid by the river of that prayer. And you have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed. God, I've been praying for my kids. I've been praying for my spouse. I've been praying for so-and-so for so long. Is it ever going to happen? Is the word ever going to come? But God knows when that prayer is answered, the enemy is going to lose such a hold. Can you imagine the word that came to Daniel that day was the word God used to finally set those people free from captivity. Understand what I'm saying to you. The word that, sent, that was sent to Daniel that day was the word that ended the enemy's hold. But it only came because one man was willing to pray until the word came. We feel like the word is bound because it didn't come when we thought it should come. We feel like the word of God has been stopped because he didn't answer when we thought he should. But Mary and Martha felt that way. When Lazarus was dead and the Lord got there and he said, well, he stinks now. It's too late. If you would have been here, that wouldn't happen. The other sister said, and I also believe someday you can do it in the resurrection. He said, but what you need to know is. While you're thinking about what I can do in the resurrection, don't you forget the fact I am. The resurrection. I came here today to preach twofold. I don't know why this was on me this morning, but it's been on me strong. And I came to preach here today to somebody in this room that's getting weary of holding on. And I want to tell you, you keep holding on. And then I've come today to beseech heaven on the second fold of this thing. I've come to beseech heaven today and say, Lord, we've been praying, we've been sowing, we've been believing, we've been crying out. Now send our help. I felt this morning when I got up, I can't explain it to you. You can, be, you, you, you can remain standing, you see whatever you want to. I'm, I'm closing, I'm finished. But I felt this morning when I got up, I felt like the atmosphere over this city was different today. Felt like it was different. The Lord said, what I've been doing in this church over the last couple of weeks and through that missions conference and the things that I've been releasing, he said, it's going to feel different to you today. So, Lord, what's the difference? Why do I feel this lifting up off of me right now? Why do I feel this difference? And this is what I felt, Brother Andrew, I felt the Lord say, because I've sent the reinforcements that are beginning to drive back right now the principalities of this region that have withheld your answers. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I can't speak for what's happening anywhere else in Madison County. I can't speak for what's happening anywhere else in Indiana. But I want to tell you what's happening over FPC here today. God has sent reinforcements for somebody that just kept on believing and just kept on praying. I can't speak for what's happening everywhere, but I can tell you what's happening over some of your houses today. Those backslidden children, there's an answer over their house today. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. There are precious people in this room today that you have been following the Lord from a distance. You haven't yet fully 
committed your life to him because your revelation of him has been based on what you've asked him for and it hasn't been released but you need to know like Daniel that our relationship with God is not predicated on his answer our relationship with God is based on the fact that he is the answer whether we ever get an answer or not I'm speaking over somebody in here today that's weary I'm speaking over somebody that's exhausted you have fought and you have fought and this is my invitation to you come on closer to Jesus keep on pushing keep on fighting if you haven't been baptized in Jesus name for the remission of your sins I would encourage you today come on up talk to us let us baptize you in Jesus name who knows this might be the day that your breakthrough comes if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost let him do it for you today God can release your help today in this house his word is not bound if you're here and you need an answer from God I'm inviting you to step out from your seat right now and to take a step of faith and say Lord I believe you I trust you there's nothing too hard for you come on would you believe it with us right now